Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Open our eyes and our ears to your words, Father, that you have spoke, the life that you have given, the light that shone forth. Help it to, those words to transform us, to change us, to make us more like you. That more of the world, the darkness, becomes less and becomes where it doesn't exist, but only your light. We thank you, Father, for your words that give life and that shine forth for all men that want to come to it and are drawn. We give thanks for this in your Son, Yahushua's name. Amen. Okay, so um, what are we going to talk about today? So I mentioned this before. So here at uh, Living Messiah... We break down the meaning of the words and the verses based on the lexicons, dictionaries of the original languages. So it gives us more clarity of what's being said. This is how we study here. Now normally we're doing a lot of breakdown of words. Today not so much because it's Hanukkah and I want to get something really across to the kids and to all of us here about the light and how the light is to expel the darkness, which is what happened during this whole event of uh, the Maccabees. So we're going to talk today about the light and the darkness and how to overcome the darkness. We're going to read from a few commentaries regarding this topic about light and darkness that I thought was really appropriate. And if you guys have something to add, feel free to jump in, anything in the Torah portion. So, uh, so we have lots to learn today, and uh, so let's dig in. Be patient and attentive, especially to the commentaries that we're going to read together because there's there's a really good point that's being made. So let's look in our what what are the odds that are here we are about we're 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 talking about Hanukkah. We're in the midst of Hanukkah, feast of dedication. It's all about the light expelling darkness, light overcoming the darkness. And our New Testament portion is Matthew chapter 5. And so we're going to begin there. Oh, before we do, I was looking in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and I saw some really interesting things in the Dead Sea Scrolls pertaining to our Messiah, who he had come for, that is just really astounding when you look at what we've been studying lately. And so I want to share with you as we read these three, two or three um, slides of what the Dead Sea Scrolls say about the coming uh, anointed one, the coming Melchizedek, uh, this one who is, who is uh, appointed to come. So let's read. And concerning what Scripture says, this is in uh, the Qumran uh, 11Q13, uh, 2, through, 2, 2 through 9. In this year of Jubilee, you shall return every one of you to your property. And what is also written, Leviticus 25, 13, 
is the manner of the remission. Now, this word remission, when you look at this word in the New Testament, almost every time this is a, the Greek word for remission is ephesus. And in, in the New Testament, it's rendered as forgiveness of sin. But it's actually supposed to be rendered as release of a debt, release of a, we've been talking about how uh, sin is, it's been kind of misused in the New Testament. It's, it's our punishment, a release from the punishment, okay, the debt. So every creditor shall remit the claim that is held against a neighbor, not exacting it of the neighbor. So did the, did the king remit, uh, did he, did he uh, remit the claim that is held against you that you should die? Did he? He remit it? Yes, he did. He did not exact it against you. Those who are a member of the community, because God's remission, the New Testament says forgiveness, has been proclaimed. This is what the master did at his hometown, right? We read this last week. The interpretation is that it applies to the last days and concerns the captives. And again, I'm reading the Dead Sea Scrolls here. This is just amazing, their insight to what was going to happen. Just as Isaiah said, to proclaim the jubilee to the captives, and Yeshua said, he's reading this part of Isaiah, that he's proclaiming it to the people, and he's reading it in his home area of the northern kingdom, the the, the Ten tribes who were captive, okay? Just as Isaiah said, to proclaim the jubilee to the captives and whose teachers have been hidden and kept secret, even from the inheritance of Melchizedek. The inheritance of Melchizedek. We're his. And they are the inheritance of Melchizedek who will return them to what is rightfully theirs. Now, let me ask you a question. Has the master returned you to his words, the Torah? It was rightfully yours, wasn't it? And here we have in the Dead Sea Scrolls, they're proclaiming this insight, seeing that the the one who is coming is going to return you to what's rightfully yours. Now, he may be speaking about the land, But I'm going beyond that because it's not just the land he's going to return us to, but he's going to return us to the ways that he gave us at Mount Sinai that are for life for us, that is the light that goes forth as the light to show men who he is. He will proclaim to them the jubilee, thereby releasing them from the debt of their sins. Now, I didn't put this in there. This is what they said, the debt. In other words, it's not the... The sin, it's the debt of the sin. Have you guys ever sung the song, He paid it, I did not owe, I owed a debt, I could not pay. That's what happened. So this word will thus come in the first week of the Jubilee period that follows nine Jubilee periods. Now since this is so insightful, I've got to do a lot of research on this what they're proclaiming to be the Jubilee cycle here. It's going to be really interesting to see what I've already seen and known. Okay. Follows nine Jubilee periods. Then the Day of Atonement shall follow at the end of the tenth Jubilee period, when he shall atone for all the sons of, say it, the sons of, who are you? Yes. That's who the Melchizedek the anointed one came to do for the ones who are the sons of light. 
and the people who are predestined to Melchizedek. You were, you were, you were intended to be rescued and saved by the Melchizedek priest, who is, as it says in the New Testament, without a doubt, it's, it's the Master Yeshua. Upon them, for this is the time decreed for the year of Melchizedek's favor, Isaiah 61.2, modified for this for, and for his host together with the holy ones of God for a kingdom of judgment just as it is written. We're not done. Concerning him in the songs of David, a godlike being has taken his place in the council of God. Now you're going to see here in a couple other places it's going to use divine being. And remember Ward has done a study on this. And the word divine being, uh, it's the interpretation of Elohim. So when you see the word Elohim, it means divine being. So a godlike being has taken his place among the council of, the, of, of God. In the midst of the divine beings, he holds judgment. Scripture, which is talking about Yeshua. Scripture also says about him, over it, take your seat in the highest heaven. A Elohim will judge the peoples. Psalm 7, 7-8, concerning what Scripture says. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked, the darkness? Psalm 82.2, the interpretation applies to who? To Belial. And the spirits predestined to him. You see, there are people that are going to be apportioned to him, just as there are people apportioned to the Mashiach. Because they choose not to follow his ways, and choose not to repent, and choose not to amend their lifestyle. You all have chosen to amend it, and you've been transferred from a creature of darkness, destined to Hasatan, to one of light, destined to the Melchizedek. Therefore, Melchizedek will thoroughly prosecute the vengeance required by God's statutes. In that day, he will deliver them from the power of Hasatan and from the power of all the spirits that are predestined to him. Allied with him will be all the righteous, divine beings, Elohims, sons of God, right? This is what, or this is that which all the Elohims, this visitation is the day of salvation that he has decreed. Through Isaiah the prophet concerning all the captives, inasmuch as scripture says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says to who? Zion. <laughs> we just talked about Zion. And here it's ascribing Zion to you people. This guy in the Dead Sea Scrolls is ascribing you as Zion. Says to Zion, your Elohim reigns. Wow. So this scripture's interpretation the mountains are the prophets. They are who were sent to proclaim God's truth and to prophesy to all of Israel. And the messenger is the anointed of the Spirit of whom Daniel spoke. About the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off. The messenger who brings good news, who announces salvation, is the one on whom it is written to proclaim the year of Yahuwah's favor, the day of vengeance of our Elohim, to comfort all who mourn, this scripture's interpretation, he is to instruct them about all the periods of history for eternity. Now listen to this. And in the statutes of 
truth. And remember that word statutes is that Greek word dikaiomata, which means, and it's plural, it always means divine precepts of the Mosaic law. Always. The dominion that passes from Hasatan and returns to the sons of light, he doesn't have the dominion anymore. The dominion has been given over to you by the judgment of Elohim, just as it is written concerning him, who says to Zion, your Elohim reigns, Zion is, Zion is, Zion is the congregation of all the sons of righteousness who uphold the covenant. Wow. I told you I had a feeling you're Zion, and here in the Dead Sea Scrolls, they're interpreting it that the sons of light, the ones who uphold the covenant, are Zion. Wow. Your divine being is Melchizedek, who will deliver them from the power of Hasatan concerning what Scripture says, then you shall have the trumpet sounded loud in all the land. Glory be to his name. That's awesome. If that doesn't get you excited about we are the ones that have the light in us, that we are, we are called to be a light to the nations, to expel darkness, so that those who are in darkness come running to the light that's in us. Not us, they're coming to Him who is in us. If we're walking in the character. Hannah's up here. We have an open mic here, so if you feel like sharing, please do so. So um, up in the, the earlier part of the commentary where it says an anointed one shall be cut off and then it says the messenger who brings good news mm-hmm. that reminds me of the, the, the part of the armor of Yahweh, the shoes of peace, where it says um, in Ephesians 6, this is having your feet fitted with the preparation of the good news of peace. So as we're walking out in Torah, and shining that light, it is part of the armor that fights against the, amen. the, the evil light. Yes, amen. All right, turn with me to Matthew 5, verse 14. This is right before verse 17, which says, according to what the church interprets that uh, the Torah is done away with, it says that you are a light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Imagine that this is our prophet portion on this Shabbat, that we're remembering what happened during the Maccabees' fight against wickedness. Here we are reading this about light, okay? Now, Dr. Jones, who we had last week, he looked at this verse, and he noted that the word I have in black letters, lampstand, is not lampstand, but it's the Hebrew word menorah. Now that changes everything about this in the Hebrew Gospels. So you're the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And of course you were reading that in the children's thing. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but you light it, it goes on the menorah. And what's the job of the menorah? The menorah is lighting up everything in God's holy place. And shining forth, which is the word, because you've got the bread over here on the table, you've got uh, the huh, you've got the uh, altar, which is in Revelation, it says that the priest is standing at the altar with the incense in Revelation, right here in this place. This job of the menorah is for to get God's instruction, His light, who He is, His character, to go forth to all who want to come to it. 
all to want to see it. It goes out from that place. Yes. It's coming to you behind you. Actually, it's the menorah that is the symbol or the emblem for Israel. It's not the Star of David. And yep, so, of course. Of course. Yes, yeah, and, yeah. and our flag down there yeah. has the menorah always, that always somebody been, gave yeah. us. Yeah. Yes, so yeah. that, yeah, it's the light. The Their light. symbol it's about the light. of yes. Israel is the yeah. light. Yeah. It's Amen. not the Star of David. Do we have another hand, uh, our uh, visitor that is with us? Welcome, by the way. Yes, how you doing? Uh, I just wanted to add to like some of the verbiage and the, the signs of the times that we're in. If you notice, trumpet, okay, Donald Trump was here on Sukkot last time, and it's crazy because I was locked up in that jail over there. Jerome Davis is actually a friend of mine. On, I was on the way to go see him, and they locked me up. I was actually in jail right there. Okay, now I'm sitting here with you guys. You look up Trump. And that book right there, that strong concordance, what is it? <laughs> is that shofar? Yep. Now, we have to recognize the signs of the times that we live in. So I'm glad that you guys are speaking to this. And <laughs> that's all I had to Hallelujah. say. Yeah. Pay attention. Amen. Hallelujah. It's going to give light to all who are in the house. I want to be in the house where the light's going to be shining, right? Does it sound like right now that it's going to be thrown away and discarded? I mean, if it's going to be shining to everybody else, and then you another verse, you said, well, it's going to be thrown away. It doesn't make sense. So it says, let your light shine before men in such a good way that they may see. Now, you've got, you got to understand this. Your good works, because it's not your good works. When you're doing what God told you to do, it's actually His good works that are coming out from you. Because it isn't you, it's him, because you've taken on his yoke, and now it's being shown out from your deeds. Which is completely different when the New Testament says, the works of the law, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, it emphatically says that that phrase, works of the law, is man-made traditions, not God's law. So you've got to really understand that about that, that, that phrase in the New Testament versus this. Yes. The light... It's not just one place, but it's all over. It goes all over the directions. Yes. And because it expands <laughs> to everybody. It penetrates every corner, it, doesn't it? It penetrates and it expands. <laughs> and, of course, glorify your Father that's in heaven. Yes, back here. When you break down this verse, you, it's not saying your neighbor, your cousin, your sister, your mother. It's specifically saying you are in the present. We are to be the light of the world. We look in the Greek, light is, in Greek, it's phos. Yep. In the root word of photo. So when you think of a photo, we are to be a photographic image of the Messiah. So our light is a photo. The hill on top, the city on top of the hill, you think of a city on top of a hill, you can see it in the day, you can see it at night if its light is shining. Amen. And then as you break it down and get to you, let your light, it says in the Greek, so shine before men. It's not just, why doesn't it say just let your light shine? Why does it not say in John three sixteen, God so <laughs> loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? Amen. And then you go, you think about light, you may see your good works. Why doesn't it say, let them hear you? Yes. Light makes no sound. Light is seen. So it's what you see. And then when those who see will then glorify your Father who's in heaven. Yep. 
we have to ask ourselves or remind ourselves that we may be the only picture others see of the Messiah, or we Amen. may be the only Torah that they read. When you're, by the way, would somebody, uh, you reminded me that I didn't do something I should have done. In this verse, can somebody, if you have a Greek uh, text in, uh, in front of you, I know that uh, Paul does. Uh, on the Greek text, on this word you, I pointed out many times that sometimes it's a plural word, sometimes it's singular. If this is a plural word, it means you as the congregation, the community, not you as an individual. That would change everything. So it would be interesting to see if it's a plural word. I forgot to look. Because if it's plural, it's talking about the community. As you're, Like what we're doing today, we're being the light. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Raphael. Uh, back in uh, Exodus 14, right, when the uh, Israelites stopped at Red Sea and the uh, Pharaoh caught up to them, it uh, gives a contrast of light and darkness. So darkness, I'm trying not to use John Accordances as much, but right here <laughs> it says that um, Darkness, figuratively speaking, is misery, destruction, death, arrogance, sorrow, wickedness, darkness, light, obscurity. So without Yahushua in this world, and there's a lot of people out there that have this darkness, and they're just in a sad, sad place. You know, but when we are a light to the world, when we bring Yahushua to them, yes. we, it's the opposite of that. We could bring happiness and joy into That's a mirror right. of that. So to, there's to, darkness out there. We yeah. have to give them that light. That's right. That's our job. It's, people, it's like I was, I've told many of you this. I thought it was my job to tell my family about what I had seen. That wasn't my job was to speak it. My job was to live it so that the light would shine and become a witness to them of the goodness that's in me. That's the good work. Didn't say your good words. It was my good work, not words. Okay, so I want to sh share this with you too. Um, John 12, 46, and we're going to really look at this light. We're going to let text tell us what it means. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in the darkness. Ooh, thank you, Father. Thank you that we're not in that anymore. So this word light, as Moen states, the Greek word for light, as you pointed out, is phos. We have so many English words that come from this Greek heritage. Phosphorus, photograph, photon, the early Greeks saw the divine structure of the world in terms of light and dark. So this theme was particularly developed in Plato. He taught that men of reason would come to the light, an internal place of illumination, where they would see the world as it really is, a shadowy place of the mixture of dark and light. Seeing true reality would encourage men to emulate the light and be drawn out of this world into the wor world where the divine light within each man would shine forth. We hear much about the same religious philosophy today in New Age thinking. It is really as old as Plato or even older. The Bible rejects all such speculation. There is a good reason why Elohim first creates light. Light has no ontological priority. It doesn't exist until God speaks it and calls it into existence. From the beginning, we see that Elohim is sovereign over light. All of the cults that worship the sun, moon, and stars, and still do today, are shown to be worshiping what is created and not the creator. 
All the philosophy of illumination that doesn't begin with the sovereignty of the Creator is still in the dark. Light begins to God and belongs to Him, and the Bible does use light in a positive sense. So wisdom is light to the soul. The Torah of Elohim is light to those who follow it. Those who worship Elohim dwell in the light. But it isn't until we see the concept in the New Testament that we discover its full metaphorical usage. Yahushua announces that he is the light of the world. John tells us that Elohim is the light and that that light came into the world or or that that light, the light came into the world, but the world preferred wickedness, darkness. Paul reminds us that the hidden deeds of men will be brought into the light, and we're told that fellowship with Elohim is walking in the light. God's truth brings light. Light becomes the symbol for openness, harmony, community, obedience, and redemption. Someone once said that character is what you are when the lights are turned off. In this verse, Paul is reminding us that the light of Elohim is never off. Our darkest secrets, our hidden past, all of those things that we'll be like, that would, would like to keep inside the closet and secret, Elohim knows them as though they were in bright daylight. And he doesn't care. Before we realize that Elohim was ready to turn our back alleys into open highways, we tried to hide in the dark. But Elohim doesn't care how horrible we think those dark parts of our life are. Doesn't matter how dark it is. Doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter how horrible all of the terrible things you've done. He wants to flood light into your lives and show you that his son has been there all the time waiting to lead out us out of the dungeon and out of the darkness into the light. That's an awesome word. Thank you, Father. Clarity. Psalm 43.3 says, O send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. Well, people say, well, yeah, but that light is this and that. We need more clarity. Okay, we're going to get you more clarity. This is the judgment that the light is coming to the world. And men love the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light. And does not come to the light for fear that his deeds are going to be exposed by it. But he who practices truth, Emmet, comes to the light. So that his deeds may be manifested as as having been wrought or or brought forth by Elohim. And that's you folks here today. You're only here because he manifested his, his sovereign Shabbat to you so that you'd be here to glorify him and worship him. A hand is up, yes. So you were in Matthew a little bit earlier, and you mentioned that in, uh, yeah, I believe you were Matthew 5th chapter, and you were talking about being the light of the world. Yep. I don't, it's not by coincidence that right after that he talks about the Torah and, <laughs> and the importance of that. Yep. And it's not by coincidence that it says that the Torah is a lamp to my path or a light to That's right. the roadway. So if the Torah is a light, then where you just mentioned here in John, while you have the light, 
believe in the light, and we know that belief is not just a <laughs> mental ascent. That's a Greco-Roman idea because even the, even the, the demons believe and they shudder. That's right. And even Hasatan quoted scripture, but yeah. obviously it has no effect on And he on calls them. himself light. Yes, and so it says, so that you may be sons of light. And the Greek word there is similar to bene, but it's yurios. And yurios means to be an offspring of something. Offspring, or to be yes. a child of. Yes. And the only way that we can be an offspring of the Torah is if we practice the Torah and yep. we allow it to have an influence on it so that it molds and shapes our very DNA, how we walk, our culture, how we think. And that has to stick. It's not about just because there's a lot of scholars who read the Bible and they may know more about the Torah and even know more about the language, but has it actually produced fruit and become, are they offspring of what they read? When you are a son of something, then that is kinship and fellowship. It's not the intellectual or mental ascent. See, we need clarity. So you could talk to people that are in the church. You say, well, what is the light? And they say, well, it's Jesus. Okay, but well, give me, give, uh, dig a little deeper. What, 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 do you, what is that? Well, it's Jesus. They can't go past that because they haven't understood what that light really is. Yes, it's him, but what is it about him? What is that light? And right here in Ephesians 5, 9, it says, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. The truth and the light are synonymous as is righteousness. And then Isaiah 51, 4 says, Pay attention to me, O my people. Give an ear to me, O my nation. For a Torah will go forth from me, and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. The Torah is the light, and it is justice for the people. Clarity. God gives clarity if we just read it and take it and read them all together so we can see what, let's break it down. What is he saying? What does it mean? Leviticus, I'm sorry, Levi 19.1. And now, my children, ye have heard all. Choose, therefore, for yourselves either the light or the darkness, either the Torah of Yahuwah or the works of Hasatan. Gad 5.1 says, Hatred, therefore, is evil, for it constantly makes you lie. It speaks against the truth, and it makes small things to be great and causes the light to be dark. And call the sweet bitter, and teaches slander, and kindleth wrath, and stirs up war, and violence, and all covetousness. It fills the heart with evils and devilish plans, or poison. Romans 2.19 says, And are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind. You're to be a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish. Now wait. Ravi was in this on his portion. A teacher of the immature. And I asked him earlier, because they were teaching. I said, what are they teaching? Watch what it says here. A teacher of the immature, having in the law, the Torah, the embodiment of knowledge and the truth. This is what they're teaching, the Torah. This is the, the knowledge and the truth, which is in God's word, his Torah. Clarity. Clarity. Acts 26, 15. I am Yahushua whom you are persecuting. 
But get up and stand on your feet for this purpose I have prepared you, to point you as a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things which I will appear to you. Now, I grayed out the word Jewish because it's not in the Greek. Rescuing you from people and from Gentiles to whom I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to the light, from the dominion of Hasatan to Elohim, that they may receive, here's that phrase you saw in the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls, the release of the debts of, of the Ephesus, and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Hasatan to Elohim, that they may receive the, here it is again, the release of the debts, the punishment, and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by me. How are they sanctified in him? Well, the master tells them in John 17, 17, sanctify them in your Torah, the truth. For your word, your Torah, is the truth. Sanctify him in that. Thank you. Hallelujah is right. Wow, clarity. I love clarity. And then finally in John 12, 36, it says, while you have the light, believe in the light. Now, how do you believe in, 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 in this that's, that's bouncing around? How do, you, how, do you, how do you believe in it? How do you believe in it? See, it's, we've always, people have always thought that faith and belief is just some kind of mental gym, gymnastics that you do. No. I mean, I, I can believe in light all I want here, but there's something more substantial here that's really, it, it's about. It's coming to you. Okay, just to go to the scientific on this, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, right? It talks about certain things like light. Uh, that same light or force of variable talked about in Heisenberg's uncertainty principle expanded right? The Big Bang Theory, let there be light, is the same thing. Uh, Adams and EV2, right? Adam and Eve, or Adams and EV2 is what makes us up. Also, Yahweh, his name, is in our DNA and also in our face. Amen. So, with okay. all this, let there be light, and let your light so shine. What happened to Moses' face? The light of... Show all right, yeah. so I'm done. But I just need y'all to know that yeah, part. good. So I was reading in another study, I didn't put it up here today, but when the, before he spoke in Genesis 1, what was happening was that there was this reverberation of just a, a murmur going forth in the world, just like a, a murmur. And it wasn't in order, there was no order. And so when God spoke, and it now was a ordered word and frequency and everything that, that, that his word brings, it brought, it brought the, the, so it'd be like if you look at a, a, a lake or a river or a lake and you drop the pebble in it and it's got an order of a ripple, imagine a disorder to that ripple as what the world was, was experiencing. That, that, that murmur was not in an order form. God spoke, and everything went back into a normal order form. He brought the chaos into order through that word, that, that spoken word. Yes, Joe. 
Just looking at that verse in John 12, 36, it says, Now a while you have the light. Believe in it. It's a choice. Yes, indeed. You believe in it. You have it. And what are you going to do with it? You believe it. So that you may become sons of light, which we've been talking about, a progression to what uh, the world sees in us, not our uh, things we do, but the light that is in us. Yep. So, you know, we've talked about this. The root word for this word believe in the Greek is this word pistis, which means to obey. It's got a concrete thing to it. It's, it's, it's to obey, to do. It's, it's a verb. It's not something that's just a noun or something that doesn't have action. It's an action word. Something's, something's to be done. You believe. Isaiah, oh, would you believe that our prophet portion talks about the light and the darkness? What are the odds that our New Testament and our prophet portion talk about these two things? Here we are in Isaiah 49.6. He says, Is it too small a thing that you should be my servant? Here's what you're to do, because whether this is, some will argue and say this is referring to Yeshua, some will say no, it's referring to the nation of Israel. It doesn't matter. If we're to copy the master, if it's to the master, then we're supposed to do it too. That you're to be my servant to do what? To raise up the tribes of Jacob, to restore the preserved ones of Israel, to make us a light to the nations, so that why? His salvation will reach everywhere, all over the place. Rafi. Yeah, uh, if you could go back one slide. This is something I think is kind of interesting. While you have the light, believe or trust in that light. (laughs) So you may become sons of the light, all right? Then all of a sudden, Yeshua goes, hides himself. (laughs) Okay, I know he said that he was the light, and I agree with that, but is he telling us something maybe deeper here? He is the light because of what he's doing. That's right. You know, and I think that's the bigger thing because he goes, hides himself, so it's still... He's still saying, continue to be that light, meaning yep. do the actions. I don't need to be Yeah, because they didn't have it right there for 40 days. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it, so something it, else, it goes back. It's yes. a deeper. It goes back to more, yep. you know, we can always say Jesus is the light, and that's great. But and he is. if he, we just let him be the light and we don't, we're missing what he's saying. That's right. Amen. For us to do those things. Amen. Maybe also like those of us that had good earthly fathers who said, uh, you know, do as I do because I will always be here, you know, so that it can become part of who we are when he, when he is gone. Yep. <laughs> well said. Okay. Isaiah sixty nineteen. No longer is the sun your light by day, nor does the moon give you light for the brightness, but Yahuwah shall be to you an everlasting light. And your Elohim, your commonness, no longer does your sun go down, nor your moon withdraw itself. For Yahweh shall be your everlasting light, and the days of your morning shall be ended, and your people, all of them righteous, shall inherit the earth forever. A branch of my planting, a work of my hands to be adorned, the little shall come, a, become a thousand and the small one a strong nation. Why? 
because Yahweh Zevaot shall hasten it in its time. In its time. Yes. <laughs> I, I haven't heard this connected, but if you go back to the plagues in Egypt before they even left, and when there was a thick darkness in the land, yes, where they could not see, the only places that had light were the houses of God's people. Yes. So it was a noticeable difference in the midst of darkness. Is that a prophetic picture of what's going to happen? Where did the light come from? Yes. Because the darkness was a removal, if you want to say, of the blessing of Elohim, or the darkness would be the curse. But the point being is there was a night and day, pun intended, difference between the darkness that covered the land and what was in the houses of the people of God. So it's, it's not just an abstract thing. If the That's word right. is a lamp, if the word is a light, and Yeshua is the word, if we say that we believe in Yeshua, then our belief needs to be activated by the Shema. Yes. And it's that Shema doing the word that is actually very important. If, and here's a gift or a token, because they weren't doing the word yet, but yet he gave them the contrast because he was calling them out and making them his people, his own possession. And that portion testifies that that light is one of the things that the Egyptian says, I'm going to obey, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to go out. That light drew them to the light to want to go out with the Israelites when they left. I don't want to be here in the darkness. I want to follow the light where it goes. Boy, I've yeah. got some hands coming up now. Go ahead. When looking at that, doing a play on words, so it says sun is your light, S-U-N, or that sun is your light, S-O-N. Yes. If the sun is a light, like S-U-N, and we are like the moon, we reflect that light Amen. that comes from the sun. The only time the moon does not reflect light is when we allow the world to get between us and the sun. So for us to Good. reflect the light of the sun, we need to step away from the world and move away from that so the sun can clearly be direct to us. Good word. Yep. Very good. Amen and to that. You know what I see? Is so, lessons. So, sorry to interrupt, but I got to speak what Paul was saying. If we stick to the patterns that we see in Scripture, and what I mean, all you guys are saying it, but it, that darkness, the next plague <laughs> was the death of the firstborn. Yeah. And they had that light Amen. in order to know what to do. And right if there, made the Passover story is the huge one about our Messiah. Yeah. If you've made a choice to stay in darkness instead of going to light, death is coming to you. Yeah. Very good word. Yes. I'm coming to you next, Joe. Hold on. Okay. Uh, speaking of the light and darkness, um, someone who has the light, okay? I mean, you could get fired from your job. You could be thrown in jail. <laughs> you could be, you know, all these persecutions could come to you, but you could still be happy. You could be in you, jail. You could be, yeah, you could st still have that love. You could still have that happiness. That's you could right. face all kinds of sicknesses or whatever, but, and then... People see that in you. Like, why, right. why are you so happy when yep. all these things are happening to you? Why are you yeah. happy? What is it about you? And in the darkness, if you don't have that, if you face those things and you don't have the light, then you're depressed and you're, 
And you blend in with everyone else when you're in the darkness. You're, you don't stand out at all. Yes, Joe. Just reading verse 21, it's like Isaiah is addressing, uh, addressing God. And God, your people, all of them righteousness, will or shall inherit the earth forever. A branch of God's planning, his work of his hands, is like a garden to be adorned. This little shall become a thousand. It's like David, uh, you know, magnified very, very strong. Yes. And God says, I will hasten it, and it's time. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 61.10, I greatly rejoice in Yahuwah, my being exults in my Elohim, for he has put garments of deliverance on me. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the seed to shoot up, so Master Yahuwah causes righteousness and praise to shoot up before all the nations through the lights that he has lit, that he has put a flame that have come into his marvelous light. Yes. I'm still stuck on this because I wanted to <laughs> uh, Exodus 10:21. And when Yahweh said to Moshe, stretch out your hand toward the sky, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even a darkness which may be felt. I want to resonate this. This is a tangible, spiritual difference. Yes. It's not just about saying, oh, you know, it's light here and, you know, turn off the lights. No, this is something that can be felt. And I have only seen that one time in my life when we were long story short we were basically going door to door talking to people and bright sunny california day came to a person's house they were standing right there the light did not you could not see what was in that house and we almost didn't see them standing at the door it wow. was so dark and we quickly dismissed ourselves and thought, no point in being here because there's <laughs> something wrong here. So we're talking about something that is very right, coming from the word of Elohim, and we're talking about something that is very wrong. So walking in darkness or walking in the light is something that has to be activated by obedience to the word. Amen. Isaiah 9-2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on you in America. You're in the land that's not what I have apportioned to you, but in that land of exile, I'm going to let the light shine on you at the appointed time, and you're going to see it. Yes. And to add on to Paul's, um, the place that there was only light at was in Goshen, and Goshen means a place of drawing near. And so the way that we're going to have that light is by drawing near to him. Amen. Very good. Good word. Love it. So our master used this word eyes when he struck down Paul on the road to Damascus and called him to go up to the Gentiles and open their eyes to turn them from darkness to light. Eyes translated the Greek ophthalmos, which, which is derived such English words as ophthalmologist, which is, of course, an eye doctor. Used literally, it speaks of physical eyes as when our master healed the blind 
Used metaphorically, however, as it is here, it means to open the eyes of the mind, that is, to cause, to perceive, and understand his instructions. Hallelujah. So let's take a peek into the Torah portion. Exodus 23, 32 says, You shall make no covenant with them or with their gods, because if you do, you're going to go into darkness, and the light's not going to be there. You're going to get sucked into the dark realm, and you're going to be, in, uh, you're going to be sucked in, and you're going to be prisoned into that darkness. He doesn't want us in darkness. He doesn't want us to make covenant with them or worship their gods or worship him the way they worship those gods. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what the world calls it. What matters is, did God say to worship me that way? No. He laid out an example in his word of how he says he wants to worship. Someone said, well, you know what? Uh, I, I, can do it. I can do it like this. I can do it like that. Good luck with that, buddy. Good luck with that. If you want to do things opposite of what God says, you want to do things opposite of what he says pleases him, be like somebody saying, you know, um, you know what you could do, uh, you, if, if you really want to help me out, I, you know, I, I can't quite push the more. I, could use, I, I really could use my lawn mode. And the person says, well, you know what, I'll come over and wash your dishes instead. <laughs> How crazy would that be? That's really what's happening. We had that. I see a hand up. Make your way to it. Okay, go ahead. So the mic is making its way to her. So it says, They shall not live in your land because they will make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods in the way that their gods want to be served, instead of serving me the way I want to be served, it's going to be a snare to you. To, and this is from a commentary. To be at service to the laws of their gods is to serve their gods. Do you get that? If you're doing the things that they've decreed, you're serving their gods. And I'm going to tell you, <laughs> there are denominations that have created laws that aren't in the scriptures, and if you're doing those laws, you're serving the gods that instituted those laws. Can I hear an amen? amen. Yes. And as an object lesson, an encouragement to that is, um, has anyone ever lit a candle and held it against a wall? It, there's no darkness. There's, there's absolutely no reflection and no darkness when you hold it up to a wall. Huh. You know, there, there's no shadow. There isn't. So, you know, if you are set apart and you're wanting to evangelize to the nations and follow Yeshua down that, if you compromise then you're not going to shine the same way that he does. Amen. There will be darkness. Yep. It's not like there is no darkness in him. There is no shadow. Amen. It, you, no one will see you. That's, right. <laughs> That's anyway. Yeah. Yep. Well said. Okay. Exodus 23.2. You shall not follow the masses and do evil. Ooh. Don't follow the masses to do evil. Nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after multitude in order to pervert justice. So with the mighty, others, multitude, the Hebrew is difficult, and in many interpretations have been offered, 
Rashi represents the prevailing traditional understanding. Do not follow a majority blindly if your conscience demands otherwise. Similarly, Ezra, who warns against trusting a majority without question. Yes. I'm kind of new. I'm kind of new here. I am very here. Um, anyway, I don't know about you all, but I have, I live in the world. I'm not of the world, but I live in the world. Right. And I come across so many times, and I really lose my path. And we were just talking, Paul, I think, talking about thy words, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's yes. not head beams. It's not eye beams. So we have to trust. And we follow it with Psalm 119.106. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteousness laws. <laughs> so... When we lose track and the high beams are not showing us where we go and we get uncertain, we must revert to Scripture. And that is what holds us solid. Amen. Well said. Exodus 23:14. Three times a year you shall celebrate a feast to me. You shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days. You are to eat unleavened bread as I commanded you. At the appointed time in the month of fresh... As a matter of fact, how many of you have seen the, 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 the Hebrew city called Tel Aviv? You know, that's pronounced sometimes Tel Aviv. If you know what the city, the name of that means, it's, it's Spring Mountain. So in other words, uh, you shall uh, celebrate this appointed time in the month of spring. For in it you came out of Egypt, and none shall appear before me. Don't come before the mighty one empty-handed. Not a good deal. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, nor is the fat of my feast to remain overnight until morning. Do you know that there are churches that are taking what they call communion and they're doing it in things that are leavened? How many of you have witnessed that? He says, do not mix. Is Yeshua the, his sacrifice? Yes, he is. And if you're taking something that's leavened and you're declaring it to be the body of the Messiah, you've just mixed his sacrifice with something leavened. And that's a no-no. I'm going to send the messenger before you to guard the way. I know we're getting low on time, so I'm going to move unless somebody wants to talk about verses 20 through 25. All of this, as you guys read it at home, these are instructions. They teach us how to be like the light, how to be like Him. These are all very important. Nothing should be removed. or Because what happens? What's a blessing? You shall serve Elohim, Yahweh your Elohim, and He shall bless your bread and your water, and I will remove sickness from your midst. And if you obey me, nobody's going to miscarry. And you'll find the number of your days. You'll, you'll live to the fullest that I intended you to live. Wow. I'm going to come to this. Would you stand with me?
Isaiah 50.11 says, But now all of you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go, walk in the light of your own fires and of the torches that you have set ablaze. This is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment because you've chosen to walk in something other than my light. You're going in your own light. This is a solemn warning to those who walk in darkness and who try to help themselves find the light. They are described as the kindling for a fire that is surrounding itself with sparks. What does this mean? It means that when we are in darkness, the temptation is to find our own way without trusting in the mighty one and relying upon him. Instead of allowing him to help us, we try to help ourselves. We seek the light of the natural way and the advice of our friends. We reason out our own conclusions and thereby may be tempted to accept a path of deliverance that would not be of God at all. The light we see may be the fires from our own kindling or deceptive beacons leading us toward the danger of the rocks. And God will allow us to walk in the false light of those sparks. But the end will be sorrow. Heavy words. Beloved, never try to get out of a dark place except in God's timing. What did it say in that verse? In His timing. A time of trouble and darkness is meant to teach you lessons you desperately need. Premature deliverance may circumvent God's work of grace in your life. Commit the entire situation to Him and be willing to abide in that situation knowing He is present. Remember, it is better to walk in the dark with God, as you just said about that candle, than to walk alone in the light from the, uh, from the still small voice. So stop interfering with His plans and His will. Touching anything of His mars the work. Moving the hands of a clock to suit you does not change the time. You may be able to rush the unfolding of some aspects of God's will, but you harm His work in the long run. You can force a rosebud to open, but you spoil the flower. How many of you have spoiled the flower? Let us not do it anymore. Leaving everything to Him without exception, not what I will, but what you will, may it be done. We're going to do that in one sec. Father, we thank you for this word today. Thank you for showing us and, and lifting us up, encouraging us, and confirming to us that you are the light and that we're to walk in your instructions and your word, and it does expel darkness, as we have all testified. We glorify you and praise you for this wonderful word today and all that came from your servants as every one of them read your words. We thank you, Father, in your son, Yahushua's name. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Hey!